What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who are now 16 and 14 after dropping seven out of eight games uh, following, or seven out of nine games following the loss to the Los Angeles Lakers at the end of the in season tournament. Uh, Drop back to 500. All of a sudden, two wins in a row brings them to 16 and 14. Alex, I I said at the start of the season that we'll probably get a few games above 500, maybe a couple of games below 500. Luckily, touch wood, we, we haven't dipped below 500 yet, but we're still sort of hovering around that mark. We're now eighth in the East, which is about where we thought we would be. So even with the strong start, even with the tournament play, the team just kind of has regressed to the mean, so to speak. It's gotten back to where most people probably would have predicted that it was before the season started. Yeah, you were the uh, you were the realistic one of the two of us. I was on here saying we might get close to 50 wins. So <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. But yeah, the the a few above, a few below might happen at some point. The schedule gets pretty tough here in January. So look, it's a good test. The Lakers have also struggled, right? Since that in-season yeah. tournament, so maybe there's some hangover there. I don't know. But uh, two two good wins. The Rockets were really good at home. I think they, they might have only lost two games before we beat them in Houston. Uh, Tyrese, I mean, yeah, what can you say? 33 and 10. Uh, and then he had 20 assists and zero turnovers, which is it makes no sense to me. This guy is getting better and better. And hey, man, like NBA Twitter was was talking crazy about him. He was in a bit of a shooting slump, dealing with some yep. some niggles here and there, but but now he's back. He's balling again. Uh, Neesmith quickly becoming one of my favorite pacer role players as well. Like he's up there with Thaddeus Young for me. And one of the best um, contracts. So I love what I've seen from those two. Uh-huh. Yeah, we talked about that. Hey, eh? that what a steal of a contract that is, especially with the cap continuing to go up. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's been it's been an interesting couple of weeks. It's been rough, but these these last two games have been good for for the squad, I think. It's been a little bit difficult at times to watch this team, particularly in that sort of losing spell of seven of eight games. Um, We spoke directly after that uh, Milwaukee-Indiana game and the controversy about the game ball. Um, Since then, we have signed the man that is nicknamed Bloodsport, James Johnson, back onto the team, which... I think we were both pretty thrilled to see. It hasn't necessarily paid dividends in terms of the locker room yet because we went on that streak of losses. But I think it's a step in the right direction and it's the type of veteran that you need to have on your bench. I mean, he, he hasn't necessarily um, won you know titles everywhere he's gone, James Johnson, but you do need a, you know, a, a veteran presence a strong veteran presence, a guy that can set the tone and make sure that everyone knows that he's got their back. Uh, Udonis Haslam's done that for many years with Miami. Uh, And I feel that James Johnson can kind of do that with this club as well, given how young the roster is. And, you know, there's no real enforcer on this team. So James Johnson can definitely fill that role if needed. And with a young team, I feel like that's precisely what you need. Yeah, and uh, it's actually funny. I was watching on the Bulls feed uh, the other day, and they they were bringing up his fighting career. I think he's like, I don't know if you know his record, but it's ridiculous. He's undefeated in his uh, in his kickboxing and his fighting. So 
He's not someone you want to get uh, in a wrestling match with. They were talking about Sergi Barker, who was a pretty—he was a pretty aggressive dude. Got in some fights. Yeah. He was the only one who uh, didn't want to fight James Johnson. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he's that enforcer. And it's funny, isn't it? Like, I would imagine KP and Chad in the front office saw Giannis pointing his finger and touching Tyrese a little bit too much, and they said, "Hang on a second, we can't be having this." So, let's use that open roster spot and, and get him in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you you kind of have to have that guy on your team. And another big thing that's happened over the last couple of weeks since we've been to you prior to Christmas, hope all our listeners has a great Christmas, by the way, is there've been wholesale changes to this starting lineup. And we've spoken about it. I, I want to give a shout out to Woody, who raised that Neesmith should be playing the three. Well, now he's starting at the three and he's making things happen. He's having some positive impact. On the defensive end, he's still able to... Uh, shoot the three so he is you know your genuine three and d guy but that has kind of resulted in obi toppin having to make way for jalen smith because the rebounding needs to take place there and you know it seems like uh even with the the injury to uh bruce brown uh neesmith and jalen smith have kind of cemented themselves as the starting forwards for this ball club in the immediate future i can't say it's got legs i mean that jalen smith spot um i'd love to see a pascal siakam in that spot instead alex but you know if you um if you want knee smith in this team you do need really good rebounding at the four uh, and you do need um, some more scoring punch out there as well because knee smith can shoot threes he can get hot but he's primarily out there for his defense and his intangibles yeah and i think the the beauty of it is kind of what you were saying there Neesmith, so so much of his struggles throughout this season defensively are because he's having to guard fours or fives. Like we had him switched on to Towns in Minnesota. That that's not a fair matchup for him. We had him guarding LeBron and Giannis in the tournament. Like these are matchups that, you know, in a perfect world the Pacers wouldn't have a guy who's six five guarding them. And look, credit to, to Neesmith. He, he tries harder than maybe anyone on the roster or in the league, but uh, bringing bringing sticks in gives him size. And by the way, how good has he been this year? I mean, we he had a down year last season, but he's bounced back in a huge way. Um, really, all the pace is big. Like Isaiah's done well this season, and then the other guy is Nemhard, right at that two spot. So yeah, you know, yep. having that defender, and we can talk about Matherin as well because he kind of fits in this buddy going to the bench. People probably thought, hey, this is a chance for for Ben to get back, but. How, how do you feel like that Nemhard Matherin situation is going to keep playing out? It's going to be really interesting when Brown comes back into the lineup because, you know, it's clear that uh, Rick sees Nemhard as a two guard rather than a, rather than a point guard. He's not necessarily a genuine backup point guard for this site, this team. Um, that's more TJ McConnell, although, you know, obviously Nemhard can play point guard minutes at times. Um, but he hasn't been that consistent backup to Tyrese all season long. Uh, there've been a lot of stretches with TJ and now he's obviously starting at the two, but I think it's puts great pressure on Ben and on Buddy and then on Bruce Brown. Um, three guys that I think those three, along with Obi Toppin, the four of those guys are going to be more trade rumors than just about any other paces in history. Like it's make, going to make Miles Turner look like he was never in a trade rumor at all. The number of trades that are going to be taking place on Twitter and Instagram over the next two months 
with a combination of healed top and brown and matherin involved um and quite frankly we've spoken you know privately with justin about how this team needs to proceed and you can't afford to waste a superstars prime particularly if that superstars prime starts way earlier than you expected and Tyrese's has, and you have to strike while the iron's hot. And as much as I like Buddy's skill set, Obi's had some really good highlights. Bruce Brown obviously gives you a really good defensive skill set. Um, and Ben is super young. You have to look at trading two or three of those guys over the next couple of months for me to get a bona fide all-star beside Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and that all-star kind of has to be at one or two positions. It either has to be a power forward or shooting guard. Um, because yeah. Nemhard, ideally, you bring him off the bench to be able to play a defensive role. Um, Smith, ideally, you bring him off the bench as a backup five because he's got the rebounding skill to be able to do that. Um, Neesmith, ideally, you start him at small forward and he is your stopper. I mean, we saw what he did to Chris Middleton in the tournament, that highlight where he hounded Chris Middleton down the floor. Uh, if he can do that to perimeter players across the Eastern Conference, then... You know, there are a lot of players that don't want to be guarded by him. I'd love to see him, you know, defend Jalen Brown in a series, for example, uh, if we end up playing a Boston. Um, obviously, Chris Middleton for the Bucks. Uh, you have to consider Aaron Neesmith's skill set and how that can apply to being a starting three. Um, but then if you're going to do that, if you're going to then have Miles Turner as your center, then your four and your two positions need to be really potent. And at the moment, they're not. Um, so either Ben needs to step up and become a 20-point-a-game scorer, um, and we need a four, or alternatively, we need players at both of those positions to fill out the starting lineup. Because I think for me, if Smith and Nemhard um, are coming off your bench, then that's two really, really good role players that you can have uh, in your rotation. And then if you end up trading two of or three of heel Brown Toppen and you keep Matherin off your bench as you key score off the bench, maybe that's the right mix of roles in that eight man rotation that coaches like so much in the playoffs. But, um, and that's not even starting to talk about Jarris and how well he's played in the G league uh, of late, but there has to be a move coming for this team. And we know that this franchise will not sustain losing. They will not continue to lose. They were happy to do that over the last couple of years to bring in draft picks and bring in talent, but that's over now. They want to win. Tyrese wants to win. He's been very vocal about it. So um, I think these lineup changes are more about trying to understand how Neesmith can fill the role at the three, probably more than Nimhard and Smith. I think with Nemhard and Smith, it's more of a, uh, how do we get Neesmith to the three so that we can see if he's our starting small forward of the future. A hundred percent. And I think this is like, to me, this is the tightrope that the Pacers front office is on right now is you don't want to make that like all in move where you've just gutted all your assets and then they leave in free agency in six months or it doesn't work. I think of the Hawks in a sense, right? Like they make the conference. You don't want to get Murray. This young star and Trey Young. Right. <laughs> you don't want to gut your assets and then a year later you're below 500 and trying to figure out what's going on next. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. The Pacers do need to upgrade the roster, but I think if they can find a way to get a guy like Siakam without giving up, you know, multiple of their young guys or 
all their future picks, then that's the dream scenario, right? And that's why a guy like Lowry kind of scares me dealing yep. with uh, the guy who shall not be named in the Jazz front <laughs> office. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And we kind of talked about this on the last episode is what's the Raptors asking price going to be? You know, how, how much? Because they turned down three firsts for OG last year. So, you know, are they going to accept two first-round picks and Buddy Heald for Siakam? Or are they going to say, no, we want Jarris, we want Matherin, we want this, right? So I think Masai and the Raptors front office, they're going to play such a big part in maybe a lot of teams' deadline, but especially the Pacers because, I mean, I see, every time I go on Twitter now, I don't know about you, but every time I go on Twitter, I see uh, Pacers interested in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam every single time. The number of trade rumors that are going to be with uh, between the Pacers and the Raptors over the next few months is going to be obscene. And let's face it, most trades are going to be awful. Um, most trades that involve the Pacers on Twitter, on Instagram, favor the other team. Uh, they underrate guys like Matherin. Uh, they underrate um, guys like Bruce Brown, Buddy Heald. Uh, and... Let's not forget we've got two first-round picks in this draft, and I feel like that was very strategic uh, from Kevin Pritchard that he can trade two picks this year. He can trade a pick in two years' time. That gets him to three first-round picks. He can pair that with contracts like Buddy Heald or like Bruce Brown. Uh, Brown should be tradable. Uh, I think he's not tradable until the mid, uh, mid-January. mid I could be wrong, um, but Buddy's uh, on the expiring deal. I think he would. He, he was a part of that like December 15th deadline. Or well, there something. you go. I mean, you look at, you look at Pascal's 37 million, Buddy and Bruce gets you there. Um, and then you'd probably have to offload a Toppin because he, all of a sudden his, uh, you know, skill set and position becomes superfluous. You'd no longer need a starting four or a guy that wants to be an aspirational starting four. He's going to be a restricted free agent. He's going to want to get paid. Um, but he's going to want to get paid. Bruce Brown has a you know large player option that you could decline uh, or you could pick it up depending on where your team's at and you can trade him again. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few options, but the goal has to be to keep some really key guys. Obviously, Tyrese is untouchable. Keep Miles, keep Neesmith, uh, keep Nemhard. Uh, and then beyond that, um, Jarris, I don't think you should trade him for two reasons. Number one, because... Uh, I think his skill set could be really, really important over the next few years and he could turn himself into a guy that allows you to trade Pascal Siakam in two, three years' time, um, you know, because he's so good. Uh, And number two, because his value is not high right now. He's playing the G League. He's not showing NBA talent in NBA minutes. So why would you trade the eighth pick in the draft, you know, five months, six months after you drafted him uh, when you won't get a good return. You haven't given him the opportunity to show what he can do at the highest level. That may be because he's not ready to play at the highest level, but even more reason not to trade that guy um, because you will not get the return for him that you want. Uh, so there's definitely that sort of consideration. Uh, but for me, um, Ben, Buddy, Obi, Bruce, uh, they all kind of have to be varying levels of available if the right offer presents itself and there's four guys there, you could potentially swing more than one deal um, because you ideally need two good starters to pair with Tyrese and miles. And as I keep saying, Neesmith, because I think 
he's his contract is friendly enough, his skill set is friendly enough that you can make him the fifth starter. He doesn't necessarily hurt you in any way, um, but you do need to surround him with talent. He can be your quote unquote worst starter on the floor, and you're in a good position. Um, but as for Matherin, Heald, Brown, if they're your worst starter on the floor, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough from Bruce Brown to justify his contract. I know it was an overpay because we had to bring him along uh, so that he could, you know, provide us with some perimeter defense. I haven't obviously seen enough consistency with from Buddy, and that's always been the knock on Buddy that he'll go missing some nights, um, particularly in Vegas and Miami. He, uh, for some reason, goes super missing in those cities. And then Ben, um, he, uh, he's been super inconsistent as well. So you, your only real consistent guys are Tyrese and Miles and Neesmith and Nemhard um, defensively uh, because you're not asking him to score in bunches. Uh, so I feel like there's some and, and, and sticks, I guess, is your other consistent guy. And we needed a rebounder and we've got one that can quite easily come off the bench. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this ball club. You've still got TJ McConnell's contract that's really tradable as well, although I'd love to mm, see him yep. stay in this lineup and stay in this rotation and stay in this ball club because I think he offers this team something uh, from a locker room sense and intangibles. And on the floor, he, he plays harder than anyone else, I think, on this team when he comes on the floor. So I'd love to see him retain his position. And this is not a knock on any one of those individual guys that I've mentioned in Buddy and Obi and Ben and, uh, and Bruce, but you have to, you have to try and swing for the fences. And this is in this business, if you have a player that's not an all-star and you have an opportunity to get an all-star, then you've got to give something to get something. Yeah. I feel like this is the episode for Justin. So we can come on here, um, calling us idiots for saying Matherin's not untouchable, but, um, I think for me, the thing with with him in particular is I want I want to stress this to people listening who think we're crazy. Um, I wouldn't trade Matherin for Siakam, and I don't think you. No, 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 not right, at all. Like right today. And but but in saying that, if you're trading for that like A tier star, I think you, he's on the table, right? Like yeah. To to me, the fit the fit I have questions over with him and Tyrese. Um, like, can he be a long-time starter with Halliburton? I don't know. I, I think one of them, because Halliburton's never going to be a good defender. Matherin shows some flashes there, and then the inconsistency as a shooter makes me worry as well. Um, but yeah, that that fit along with just, uh, as you touched on, the inconsistencies, I think, uh, if that guy became available. I mean, I'm t- by the way, I'm talking like, you know, damn near all-star starter level guy or just about that range, then yeah, Matherin has to be on the table. I think some Pacers fans maybe have unrealistic expectations for, for I think, where he will end up in two or three years as a Pacer. Yeah, let's make it super clear. I would not trade Matherin for either of those Raptors right now. Um, they're expiring mm-hmm. contracts. They're going to want to get paid yeah. a heap of money and you've still got Ben on a contract for two more seasons after this one plus his rookie extension. So if you can get away with Heald, Toppin, Brown, and, you know, three first-round picks for one of those Raptors, then call it in Um, because I I feel like that is upgrading a significant part of your roster without compromising your recent draftees, which has to be your goal uh, if you can 
convince one of those Raptors to stay longer term and not, you know, cost you $50 million a year, which is possible. Um, but for Matherin, you need to be able to get a, as you say, a, a, an upper level all-star caliber player has to be the package. Now, we're not saying that um, other teams would trade an all-star for Benedict Matherin, but we're saying that the package that you would be sending out would ha- would involve Matherin but it would only involve Matherin yeah. if what yeah. you were getting back was that caliber. Uh, and that that's an important distinction to make. Uh, it'd have to be someone that could tr- play beside Tyrese um, and compliment him. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on Pascal because his three point shooting has taken a bit of a dive lately. And that is a bit of a concern, but you know, you've got miles um, and his ability to, to shoot the long ball, um, Jalen Smith can shoot a long ball. Um, you know, uh, Neesmith obviously can shoot the three as well. So it doesn't hurt you quite so much with the players that you're potentially putting around Pascal if you were to bring him in. Um, but I feel like we've talked about those Raptors on every single show <laughs> this season. Uh, every time we've bought you an episode of the Pace Rooms, we end up talking about these guys. Um, but the Raptors, think- is that what we are now? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The ra- the Raptor Pacerus. Um, but now it's time to talk about the the immediate future. Um, and not just who we're playing, but who's gonna be watching those games live. Because Alex, you're you know, forty eight hours away from getting on a plane to Indianapolis. I am. I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not at the same time. I uh I'm not the best flyer. I won't go into too much detail, but motion sickness is a part of it, so I'm I'm a little bit daunted over the fact that it's going to be like 20 plus hours in the air, but yeah, yeah I'll be in Indy for just around 10 days, and then I'll uh, I'll also be catching some road games. So if anyone's going to the Sacramento game, I'll be at that one. I'll be at the Suns game on the 22nd on on January as well. So uh, yeah, if if you're in Indy, if you're at any of those Jan 3 to 11 homestand games. And you see a scrawny white dude who has an Aussie accent walking around. Don't be scared to say hi, because I'll uh, I'll love to meet anyone that's that's a listener. So you'll be at the Milwaukee, Atlanta, two Boston and Washington games, and then you'll be at Sacramento yep. and at Phoenix. Yep. Yep. Can I just say how jealous I am of you right now? I have two <laughs> two small children at home, so there is no way in the world that I would be allowed to do any of this at all but i am incredibly jealous of you having two weeks to just essentially follow the paces around this the uh united states it's uh it's going to be epic mate and we'll still bring episodes to you luckily alex will have wi-fi in his hotel room so we will uh we'll... hopefully hopefully <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> I think they do wi-fi over there these days uh but we'll be bringing you as much content as we can um obviously alex you'll uh you'll be trying to get a little bit of time with some of the players and uh, and meet whoever you can over there. I know that um, our good friend uh, John is uh, is going to catch up with you while you're over there. You'll, you'll connect with a lot of people that we've had on this show and a lot of friends of our show while you're there as well. So we're looking forward to hearing about your experience over there and uh, who you get to meet, what you get to see, um, and uh, particularly seeing the first uh, home game against Milwaukee after the game ball incident. I feel like that is going to be an interesting crowd to say the least. 
I might have to run on the court and take the game ball away from him. <laughs> Just get off, the, get kicked out of Indiana by day one. Yeah, maybe don't. Uh, you've got too many other games <laughs> to watch for that. But um, yeah, I, I hope you get the opportunity to see Miles uh, because I know you, you've done a bit of work for him and, and some videos and stuff and, and obviously Tyrese as well. So if you can... Uh, you get a couple of pictures and a couple of couple of slap hands with those guys, then um, I think it's a it's a trip well spent. And the great thing is that there's such a great community of Pacers Twitter, Pacers Instagram, mm. uh, Pacers yeah. Reddit, which you know um, you you've been known to go on every now and again, but not post. Just look, um, there's some crazy opinions out there. Not Pacers Facebook, sorry Pacers Facebook. That's the that's <laughs> probably the worst one of the lot. That's the last draft pick. Um, but there's some great community. There's a great community of people out there. There's a great community of people that follow this club, that uh, that cover this club across many different types of media. Uh, so you'll be connecting with a bunch of them over the next few weeks, and we're excited to hear all about it. So safe travel, uh, and uh, we can get a first-hand account of what it's like in the building, um, and get you to collab with some uh, some of our favourites over there. Yeah, it should be good. Hopefully, uh, we'll be getting a media pass to at least one game as well, so I might get to ask a question or two like Justin. Oh, don't worry, by the way. I'll get the Crocodile Dundee reference. Please do. Throws it out Please there. don't flub and, the Crocodile uh, <laughs> Dundee reference like Justin did. We love you, Justin. Also, shout out to our, <laughs> shout out to our man, Woody, who's going to be at a couple of those games as well. So there's going to be some Aussie flavor in uh in Indiana for the uh, early Jan games. Just can you please get on the big screen at some point? Cause um, <laughs> the, the, the in-game entertainment. Cause I know Tony East will be like watching the big screen, like a hawk. He always loves the halftime shows. The, I want to see like a I deal, need to do or, the no deal, deal. or no deal. I, I, you need to get on deal That's or no it. deal somehow. You've got to like beg, borrow and steal to get on deal or no deal. That'd be epic. And then we need the whole video. So Tony East, I know you're listening. Um, can you pull some screen, strings for us and get Alex on deal or no deal? Please, pretty please. So we'll wrap it up there I because you've, know got what a, I'm picking, mate. There you go. you've got like four planes to catch and about 24 hours worth of flying to get to Indiana, but such is your love for this team that you are doing that. Um, safe flight, as I said, we've been the Paceroos. We will see you again next time. And next time, Alex will be live from Indianapolis. So we're looking forward to that as well. Have a happy new year to everyone. Thanks for listening this year and looking forward to making you uh, more Paces content in year 2024.